Welcome to Bloody Podcast. I am your host, Maria Felix, along with my co-host, Lori Roggenkamp, and our resident wonderful guest, Cash Abdemalik. It's ha- Hello. It's happy to be here. It is happy to be here. It's giving happy to be here. <laughs> Are we referring to Cash as it now? <laughs> I mean, I started it, so. <laughs> it is happy to be here. <laughs> Last time we were here, we talked about Teresa Noor. And her first murder of her husband that could also have been self-defense. Could could have been. Could have been. We're not. But, was, but it, wasn't. It probably wasn't. No. I was going <laughs> to say we're not sure, but we're, we're pretty sure. We're pretty sure. We're fairly certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now we're in it years later. She's in it. She's got six kids. The oldest, Howard, has moved away. For the oh no, he hasn't moved away. He kind of just like is not home. But I wouldn't yeah. say he has another place to live. He's out of the house. He's out of the house. That seems like <laughs> what you'd say as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll pick it back up there. So, Connie and Howard moved in back to the house for just a beat when Connie graduated high school. They moved in for six months, and in that time, the monitoring of Susan and her beatings were reduced. So remember, Susan, the eldest daughter, is constantly handcuffed to a bed or the dining room table and beat all the time for trying to run away, or for actually running away, but then she found her way back, and that, that was the problem. Howard had described his own sister as an evil demon witch to Connie. Howard didn't like Susan. But Connie saw a girl who was quiet, reserved, and was kept in her room most of the time with a diet of beans and rice. They also fed her Melaril, which Howard got illegally through a friend in Hell's Angels. Melaril, yeah. Melaril and its generic thioridazine thyroidazine, were antipsychotics used to treat schizophrenia, which Susan has never been diagnosed with. The drug was withdrawn in 2005 because it was discovered it caused severe heart arrhythmias, and it's still used as part of an extensive medical treatment for tuberculosis today. A little Interesting. Medi- medical knowledge for your ass. <laughs> That's what it says in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Slurp that down, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so one night before Susan got her medication from her mom, um, Susan called Connie into her room. Now, it had been weeks of the entire family telling Connie that Susan was a witch or a demon or both. So when Connie saw Susan's face in the moonlight, she was convinced that she saw a pair of small horns jutting out of the girl's head and ran out of her room. That's fun. That's a fun interaction. Yeah. You know, between a mother and a daughter. Yeah. Mom, can you give me my meds? Sure. Oh my God. Horns, witch, witch. (laughs) Like, all right, great. Well, I guess I'm just not going to have an easy day. Yeah. Well, this is Connie too. So this is Howard's girlfriend. That's, oh, that's right. That's the, right. Yeah. the whole family has basically been gaslighting her. Mostly it's Teresa has gaslit the whole family 
And now they are in turn just t- sitting there telling Connie that Susan's kept in her room because she's a witch. Mm. And so now this this random lady, this girlfriend, is like, oh my God, she is a witch. <laughs> she's just trying Guys. to get in good. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I didn't believe you before, but I do now. Yeah. I really believe you. Yeah, I was, she does. I was totally thinking you guys were idiots, but now I also wanted you. <laughs> hey, you know how witches have horns? No. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she does. Oh. She also loves beans. You know how witches love beans? Witches do love beans. <laughs> Is that true? Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like a main thing that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Oh. Love beans. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess she should keep eating them. <laughs> Eventually, the family would be run out of their own neighborhood after Howard had a falling out with the Hell's Angels. Shocker there. Yeah. Yeah. So basically the Hell's Angels were like, we're fucking sick of you guys. Because I think Howard or one of the other brothers used a BB gun and accidentally shot through one of the Hell's Angels' windows. Idiot. (laughs) And so they, they, they were like, if you don't get out of this neighborhood because you guys are fucking trash anyway we're going we're going to kill you so they sold the house and the family moved uh into an apartment in a rundown section of sacramento Mm. can you imagine just like how you how you annoy the hell's angels like why are the hell's angels after you oh kill a bunch of their dudes and uh stole their bikes that's badass why are the hell's angels after you I shot a BB gun through the window. <laughs> I think it hit his coffee mug and he was pretty upset about it. It, it, shot- ha- it has to get worse than after that. It's like another person like, why are the hell's angels mad at you? I spilled a drink on one of their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody listening over in Sacramento, they used to live at 2410 Auburn Boulevard for this new apartment. Uh, which is now a Mazda dealership. Ooh. Like, isn't that nice? It's what drives you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mazdas are very, very well priced. So go check it out. Price to move. <laughs> Howard, <laughs> Howard and Connie moved into um, Connie's mom's place. and So they didn't go with the rest of the family. Teresa used the money from the house sale very quickly. She blew through it in four months mm. and paid everyone she owed money to double, including her sister, Rosemary. Rosemary's life. Remember Rosemary? She was an accountant. She lived uh, not too far away with her husband, Frank, and their kid. Yeah. yeah. And so, she was always in, in uh, Teresa was always kind of in competition with her. Totally jelly. Totally jelly because yeah. it seemed like Rosemary had a, a regular successful life. Yeah. So Rosemary's life had taken a hard turn from the one that Teresa once envied. Rosemary's son had died, and her husband Frank was cheating on her. Oh my god. Three That's weeks. Awful. It's terrible. It gets worse. Three weeks after the sisters had reconciled, Rosemary was killed. Ugh. Her body was found in a ditch, strangled to death. Oh my god. Although police heavily suspected her husband who tried to cash in on her life insurance policies immediately after her death, 
they never had enough evidence to charge him. Yeah, because he was white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He just goes to the next day. He's like, wife's dead. Wife's dead. Yeah. Wife's dead. <laughs> Put his hand out. Give, give me my... <laughs> He's just like, uh, what's that guy that, uh, uh, what's his face played with the fried mashed potatoes? Billy Bob Thornton. Was, Billy, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton is just like, my wife said, give me my money. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this is not a podcast about the mystery behind Rosemary's death. But no, nobody was ever charged. And she just died. Or was killed, I should say. That's a shame. And nothing ever happened. The cops are probably like, she strangled herself. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Accountants do that all the time. Yeah. Did you know that witches have horns? Eh. <laughs> Keystone cops. <laughs> so for those few months in 1983, when Teresa had money, she was happy. No beatings really occurred, and she didn't terrorize the children that much. But as soon as the money ran out, her mood changed. The beatings returned, except this time all the kids were subject to being handcuffed not just Susan. Teresa, frustrated that she continued to gain weight while Susan didn't gain an ounce, despite being force-fed, resolved to feed Susan only fatty foods. But sadly, she didn't feed her daughter tons of Taco Bell and burgers, which would have been the happy way to die. Instead, she force-fed Susan a disgusting mush of food that she made herself. Ugh, okay. All right. Even I'll when... allow murder, but I don't like it when they get gross. All right, She's and this is gross. gross. It's getting it's getting to gross territory. Because I even... don't allow murder. I shouldn't have said that. I don't allow murder. <laughs> See, we all we all glazed over that. <laughs> I thought it's... about that afterwards, and I was like, "What am I saying?" Nobody I else don't... would have thought about it. No, everybody else would have been like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even when Susan threw it up, her mother forced her to eat her vomit. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. By this point, Susan had convinced herself, as we already know with the demon act she had, that she really had been possessed in their old house. And she told the family that she felt that in the new apartment, the demon had finally left her. Sheila had long ago become more or less a slave for the rest of the family. She cleaned all day, every day, and would work so hard that she would fall asleep standing up sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Bill continued to excel in sports, and he got some part-time jobs, and Teresa didn't complain as long as he gave his entire paycheck to her. And as for Howard, who, remember, he lives with Connie now. She would still call on him when she wanted one of the other kids beat up. So Howard would come over, and as far as I understand, he would come over, beat up whatever kid that his mom was mad at, and then give everybody, except the mom, a bunch of pills and pot to kind of just (laughs) smooth it over. (laughs) But that's how he showed his love. If somebody tried to beat me up, or somebody did beat me up, and then it was like, all right, sorry I had to do that. Here's some pills and some pot. I, I, I don't even know how to finish that sentence. <laughs> I guess I would be like, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs> <laughs> In the spring of 1984, 
Char on cash and deep in debt, Teresa sent Sheila and Susan out to a car lot to turn tricks. A Mazda car lot? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, was this, yeah. Was this a car lot, like a parking lot? Or was this like a dealership where people were buying cars? I think it was a Saturn dealership. No. Yeah. Was, <laughs> well, I'm, that makes sense. A Saturn dealership. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure why there's like a lot of guys there in their cars. Some kind of car lot was involved. Mm. She sent them out to sell themselves. Terry went as well, because her mom told her to, uh, to keep an eye on her two older sisters. So even though Teresa sent them out there herself, she started getting angry and paranoid about the prostitution. She started beating Susan even more, um, forcing her to kneel down for hours in the same spot. And then when Teresa, whenever Teresa would come into the room, she would just pin- punch and kick her randomly. So she would make her like kneel down in the kitchen for hours and then just be subject to that. She also handcuffed her to the dining room table permanently, meaning that Susan was no longer allowed to have a bed. Oh, oh my God. God. The reason for this was because Susan had started telling her siblings that even if it was through prostitution, she was happy to get out of the house again. Teresa saw this as a threat and upped the ante on Susan's constant punishments. Her siblings were no longer allowed to talk to her or even look at her. If she didn't eat, her mother left the food in front of her for days until she did. Jesus. She beat her and stepped on her neck until Susan was convulsing. Oh my God. And she would pass out from dehydration and starvation. Teresa said this whole time that her daughter was faking it. Then, in July, after another heated argument between the 17-year-old and her mother, Teresa threw a pair of scissors at Susan while her back was turned, stabbing her. Whoa. Teresa apparently felt bad about this, and after dressing the wound, she got high and drunk with her daughter, like they had done many times before, before she had believed Susan was a demon. She's a piece of shit, Mom. So Yeah, well, not, not, not Mom of the Year. I'm going to no. just, you know what? I'm not going to vote for her. All right, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I don't even know why I said it. Of course she's a piece of shit. Now. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to, you know, what's great is is now when I talk to my mom, I'm always like, mom, you're such a great mom compared to Teresa Knorr. You know, like I say that <laughs> under my breath and then I'm like. <laughs> and then you feel better. <laughs> and then I feel better. Yeah. yeah. While they were wasted, basically. Susan asked her mom if she would please let her go. If she did. She promised she wouldn't say anything about the gunshot that had happened. She would leave to go become a sex worker in Alaska and never come back. Surprisingly, Teresa agreed to this, but she had one condition. The bullet in Susan's back had to be removed. It was evidence that could be used against Teresa, and after facing a trial with her first husband's death, she couldn't have something like that out there. By this point, the bullet had made its way near the surface of Susan's back, and you could see the gray ball jutting out against her thin body. Oh my god. I know. It's just traveling in there, because it was never removed. thing just wants out. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. 
Susan agreed to the operation. It was a small price to pay for her freedom. So, her mom pumped her full of antibiotics and sleep medication. When Susan fell asleep, Robert used an exacto knife to cut into his sister's skin and muscle. Jesus. He dug around with his bare fingers for a short time before he was able to pull out the small rounded metal piece. I'm not shocked he didn't use gloves. She was probably like, we can't waste the gloves. Mm. I just bought you a hundred. <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> yeah. And they keep ripping on my fingers. Oh my God. Why is my nail so sharp? <laughs> Susan was probably like, now I know what Andrew Garfield felt like. Am I right? Because, you know, he had to have people dig around in a, his hole to find a bullet. And then that's the one thing I know from history. Oh, President Andrew Garfield. President, <laughs> yes. I also was like, the movie star? <laughs> is Spider-Man like, Is that guy? a Spider-Man thing? <laughs> I don't think his name's actually Andrew Garfield. I think President Garfield, yeah. Oh, God. That's the one thing I know about him. Is that hey, Well, this is more than I know. <laughs> is that they, he died very very painfully because they oh they uh well they thought first they they uh went to what's his face uh got it I can't remember his name who invented the magnet and they thought that they were finding the bullet but really it was just the the bed springs that he was on that they were finding oh, so wow. they were rooting around in his insides uh, for, for hours oh my god yeah Oof. that's horrible yep 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 uh, so not a presidential death the more you know. <laughs> so okay so they complete the operation they get it out but susan did not recover from this kitchen floor operation no she didn't she kicked back into I high know. gear <laughs> her body gave into the infection and after a couple of days she couldn't stand eat or drink by herself her mother and siblings Worked food and water down her throat, but it was no use. She fell into a coma and showed signs of internal bleeding in an area opposite her surgery wound, likely because of her daily beatings from her mom. Then her eyes and skin began yellowing from jaundice. Sheila begged her mother to take her sister to the hospital, but Teresa refused. The doctors would see that Susan had been beaten and would arrest her, and she couldn't have that. Then on the evening of July 15th, Bill came home to find his mother had packed up all of Susan's belongings into two trash bags. She ordered the kids to put Susan in the car and told them, we're taking care of something. So Bill and Robert carried their comatose sister into the car propped her up with Terry's help, and Teresa drove them all up the interstate and stopped near a place known as Squaw Creek. Teresa then ordered her sons to take Susan's body and put her outside on the ground near the trees and the bushes. Then she doused Susan's body and the surrounding area in gasoline. Mm -mm. She told Robert she was going to go start the car, and while she did that, he had to light the match. Terrified that she would shoot him if he if she didn't if he didn't do it because she had a gun to him, he waited until his mom was back in the car, and then lit the match, throwing it near his sister's body. 
The kids watched the fire consume the area and their sister while Teresa drove away. Wow. On the way home, Teresa spoke about how she saw Susan's soul leave her body before the fire had started and that God was happy with them. Afterwards, Teresa went to Howard and Connie's house and called for them to come outside because she was so awful. She would never even go inside like the house and say hi to, to her. <laughs> yeah, of course. To the other mom, to the mother. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, no. Yeah. She was really bad about also she burned her daughter, but also it was just like really bitchy that she didn't go into her, her mother-in-law's house. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> she killed her daughter. In the woods, on, to- on top of everything, you know, it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> the least you can do is go into a woman's house, you know, say hello, yeah, just be nice. She told them that Susan had been rotting from the inside out and had lost control of everything. She said that they dressed her and set her ablaze in the forest to free her soul, but that before she died, Susan had predicted that Howard and Connie would have a baby boy born on Valentine's Day with a heart murmur. And that Susan, this is what Teresa says Susan said, Susan would steal the baby and sacrifice it to Satan. Howard and Connie essentially brushed off Teresa's ramblings as just like another day. (laughs) But the next day, Connie read reports of a charred body found in the forest and showed it to Howard. He grieved momentarily and then told Connie never to speak of it again. Meanwhile, back at Squaw Creek, the fire had burned till morning when it was put out by a local and a truck driver she had flagged down. They saw the remnants of the body and scraps of some personal belongings but the police didn't have anything to go off of with that. There were no missing reports that matched the description of the girl, and so Susan was labeled a Jane Doe. With no leads, the police would eventually consider hers a cold case. Sheila was made to clean the remains of her sister off the floor, and the family moved on quietly. But in the weeks to come, Sheila started to become restless. It was clear she was beginning to understand her fate. The guys could leave, but none of the girls would be able to go. Mm. Robert and Bill were allowed to hang outside in the trailer court in the apartment complex. And Robert started dating, which is kind of more like just like having sex. So I guess it is dating because it's like what a guy does when they date most of the time is like he would have sex with this one lady that was that lived in the building. And then eat all her food and then just go home. So yeah, <laughs> dating. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that I mean that's what I did to Star for the yeah, longest time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh man. Once when this girl joked to Robert's brother Bill that Robert acted like he didn't get enough to eat at home because he downed two full bags of Doritos that she had just bought, which I would be upset about, too. Sure. Bill went home. Bill's such a fucking... They're all such rats to each other. It sucks. But Bill went home and told his mom about it. So Teresa demanded that Robert stop seeing this girl because for as much as she didn't want him to have a girlfriend, 
The idea that he had made her look like she didn't feed him infuriated her. God, everything's about her. Oh my God, everything's yeah. about her. Yeah. Also, one of the things that frustrates me is like, you know, she doesn't want people to, to think that she beats her kids. She doesn't want people to think that she starves her kids. You know what really helps with that? Don't fucking beat and starve your kids. I know. What a concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you don't want people to think it, don't do it. Don't you know, it. that's why I don't do meth. Because I don't want people to think I do meth. That's so fair. That's <laughs> yeah. logical. He's so like, it's one I, of the main reasons I don't do meth. She's <laughs> like, but I'm their mother. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. Right? Terry would often tag along with her brothers whenever they went outside. And Teresa tried to discourage her from doing so by shaving her head. She called it a punishment for sluts. <laughs> don't laugh. It's just a funny phrase. Previously on a punishment for sluts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to bring light into the world. I know, I know. Don't laugh. <laughs> this didn't stop Terry from going outside with her brothers, but she did drop out of school rather mm. than put up with the bullying she received there for having a shaved head. We're going through the highlights here. I should say lowlights. Sheila got hit by a hearse. One of the few times. I know. This poor family. One of the few times that she was allowed to go to the store, a funeral procession, procession that was backing out, I guess the hearse was backing out of the funeral home, mm-hmm. didn't notice her walking, biking by, and ran her over. Oh my God. Overall, she was fine. But Teresa was convinced that during this accident, Sheila's soul had left her body. And a demon had entered it. Oh, my God. I know. It's so annoying. <laughs> Just at this one time. Why are demons so hot and heavy for this family? That's yeah. what I want to know. Like, yeah. Yeah. You would, I mean, look, the people who believe in demons, you would think that they would go like, you know who we should get? We should get uh, President Biden. We should get somebody <laughs> who controls nuclear, <laughs> the nuclear arms. Yeah. Not some random family in Sacramento. That's who gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, right? She also accused Sheila and then Terry of giving her a venereal disease from the toilet seat. What? She just started accusing. So none of them actually had an STD, obviously. And I just wonder what Teresa had going on down there. UTI. That she felt she was diseased. UTI. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably crabs. Crabs. (laughs) (laughs) Teresa started beating Sheila just like she had beat Susan, subjecting her to days-long punishments of kneeling and keeping her restrained with pieces of fabric. By the spring of 1985, Sheila had lost much of her will to go on. She refused to eat and would be force-fed by her mother or her baby sister. Mm. Instead of water, Teresa made Sheila drink beer, and only beer. If she refused to eat or drink, Teresa would argue with her until she got frustrated enough to feel like she was allowed to hit her, and it would hit her, and then the whole cycle over and over again. But one summer day, Sheila kicked back 
Yay! Ooh, yeah. Her mother then ordered Robert to restrain his sister. Oh, no. And to call Bill, who at this point was living with a girlfriend. Bill came not over. Con- not Connie? Oh, wait. That is no, that was Howard. Howard. That was Howard. So now yeah. Bill has also left. So two of the guys are just allowed to go. They're just gone. Oh, so sad. Bill came over. And Teresa instructed the young men to put their sister, arms tied behind her back, into the linen closet. For days, Sheila screamed, begged, and clawed at anything in her reach, looking for a way out. But no one opened the door. Teresa stopped feeding her and told the others not to do so either. Jesus. Sheila lay in her own waist, slowly suffocating from the intensifying heat of the summer. After four days, Teresa left briefly to go to the store. Because remember, she never leaves the house. Right. And Terry opened the closet door. She had just enough time to give her sister some beer. Not water, because she had been trained by her mom to not do so. Before Teresa came home again. Terry, hearing the car, closed the door on her sister again. I just have to say, I imagine she hears the car, but then also hears Teresa, like, huff out of the car. Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Like, it's a whole thing. (sighs) Okay, okay, you got this. One little... Why, why is this? What this car's getting lower? I swear, it's <laughs> getting smaller. This car. Oh, okay. Oh, why do we have steps in front of our goddamn apartment? <laughs> All right, lift up those haunches. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, I swear to God, I'm trying to make watch uh, tomorrow. One hawk. Two hawk. Oh my goodness! <laughs> fuck her. <laughs> She's a piece of shit. Yeah, fuck her. I love how she's always like complaining about how fat she's getting while she's simultaneously stuffing her face. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Know? And she hasn't yeah. stopped drinking. Yeah. Just like wasted all the time. Mm-hmm. Beer gut stuffing her face. And she's just like, I don't understand why I'm not, I'm not, she never leaves her. She probably has an imprint on the couch yes. of her butt never yeah. leaves. And she's like, I don't understand why I'm, why I'm not losing weight. Yeah. I'm beautiful. She barely, like, left the bedroom, from what I understand, too. Jesus. Ugh. So, Terry heard the car, heard her mom, and closed the door on her sister again, afraid that if she was caught, she would be forced in there with her. Mm. After about a week, the smell of rotting flesh began emanating from the closet. Oh, no. That's not good. Teresa once again called on Robert and Bill and told them to open the closet door. They opened it and looked upon their sister. She was curled up in only her underwear, her hands still tied behind her back, knees to her chest. The blood in her body had settled after she died and was pulled and at her, it was like, her blood was pooled at the bottom of her body. So she had like a strange pattern 
embedded in her skin and all her her feet and her legs were like a dark purple. Jeez. Oh my god. I can only like it's like terrifying to even imagine just like the horrors that she went through. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Like it's at these times that I truly, truly hope that there's a heaven and that she's able to go and have some kind of peace. You know what I mean? Mm. And just be like, and because it's just like, you just don't want to think about it and just think that, oh, she's gone forever now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Mm. When they lifted her body out, the flesh stuck to the walls. All Robert and Bill could do was pretend that they didn't see it. They didn't smell it. Oh, man. Later, their mom would ask them how they felt about it when they saw it. And Robert said that he felt like it was like a Stephen King movie. That it wasn't real. That it was special effects. Which is the saddest thing. Yeah. You just have to disassociate. Mm -hmm. You just... You know. Oh, that's awful. So they lowered Sheila's body into a cardboard box lined with pillowcases. Then they put the box into a truck and headed out on the highway to leave Sheila somewhere near where her sister had been laid just one year before. They headed out onto the interstate towards Lake Tahoe, and but during their first attempt to pull over, just as they pulled two shovels out of the trunk, the police pulled up. Hmm. Oh, no. Awkward. Yes, it was very <laughs> awkward. With the shovels in hand, the police were just like, what you guys doing? And Teresa just said that they pulled over because the boys had to take a leak. No more questions were asked. My God. Yeah. yeah. And they... <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, sorry. Uh I see two black people driving a car together. I gotta get my gun yeah, out yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right over. Hold on. <laughs> I'd have been like, we're making a moat. And then yeah. the castle. Oh see, I was thinking we're gonna play a lightsabers but with shovels. <laughs> <laughs> Cups like all these answers are acceptable. Yeah, this is yeah. great. But you're on private property, so get out. And so they did. They left. Then Teresa drove for another hour heading up a winding mountain road that led to a campsite. Robert and Will then got out of the car and set the box near a place called Martis Creek. And the family drove home. So they just set it down this time. The next day, the campsite groundskeeper did his rounds and he found the box, pulled away the duct tape, and two dead arms just kind of sprung out of the... Yikes. Box. Terrified. Jesus Christ. The police performed an autopsy and kept samples of the flesh on her fingers, but fingerprints weren't possible because of how slippery the tissue was. Now, mm. how the skin was, yeah. had been falling off the bone from the heat. Jesus Christ. The only other thing they could tell from the remains were that she had been slashed across the chest and hit on the head. But it was unclear of those if those wounds were fatal, which is interesting because Sheila's death is a little the way she died. It seems to be a little disputed 
between mm. the two brothers. Um, one brother, I think Robert, because Robert was the one that still lived there. One, bro- one brother says that um, one time when he was showering, he heard the closet door open and then a big thump. Um, which could have been Teresa hitting Sheila. Move. Oh. Or it could have been Sheila's body finally falling over and that's when she died. Oh. Okay. But also, when they opened the door after she did die, Bill said that there was blood everywhere. He said that it like looked like she had been cut across the chest and that that's kind of what caused her to bleed out and die. Whereas the other brother was the one that said there was nothing apparently, like, besides the fact that she had been starved in the closet, there was no apparent injuries on her. So, I obviously, it's such a traumatic, it's probably the most traumatic thing you can experience that um, the brothers, everybody, all of them have trouble remembering it all the right way. Because Jesus. why would they want to? So all the drugs. Yeah, yeah, they're also all high on drugs all the Mm -hmm. time. So besides keeping pieces of DNA on file, the police had, again, little to go on. They saw no connection between this this petite, dark-haired girl and the tall, full-figured blonde that that had been found and burned just a few miles down the hill a year earlier. Hmm. For a little while, police suspected that a serial rapist by the name of Benjamin Boyle, was guilty of her of Sheila's murder, or how, as they knew her as Jane Doe, but he was never charged with that crime. Hmm. After Sheila, Teresa moved into the room with the best view of the linen closet she had been in. When they cleaned up, she, when they cleaned up the closet, she had ordered the guys to remove and destroy the door because of the evidence on it. And now the darkness of the closet radiated out in all directions of the house. Teresa spent hours staring at the place where she had killed her eldest daughter. She also started doing this weird thing where she combed her hair, like, for hours. Her own hair. But only showered every couple of weeks. (laughs) Terry was fucking sick of it. She's like, would stay, like, she's like, she, in, in, you know, in her interview, she's like, she was always combing that fucking hair. Disgusting (laughs) hair. In 1986, Terry, now 15, had managed to stay out of the house, excuse me, by working a part-time job at Del Taco. So, yay! Hey, that's another thing Del Taco can promote. Good food saves lives. That's very true. Yeah. So head on out down to Del Taco if you want to escape your abusive household. Yeah. <laughs> they are not Chipotle, which can be good or bad. They have a drive-thru. <laughs> Sorry. Her mom had, bird, had, her mom had forged her birth certificate so that Terry appeared 18. And as long as Terry brought in money for her, she didn't care. Oh, my God. But it didn't take long for Teresa to accuse Terry of sleeping with someone at work. Because she had been two minutes late coming home one time. That's all it takes. She started beating Terry and handcuffing her too. 
She tried to force her into a closet, but Terry refused. Every time she saw her mother lumbering at her, she simply sidestepped. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it is kind of funny how, Terry, how Terry's just now this pathetic like lump of a thing. And it's just like, you're in that goddamn closet. <laughs> Oh god, make your gun I got that pleasant. She's Roll. like, you're gonna have to catch me first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Rolling towards her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as quick as Terry was, her mother outweighed her and frightened her. So mm. obviously Teresa's the kind of person that'd be like, I will sit on you. And I, <laughs> I do sit on you. Um yeah, now she just speaks in, in like the Hulk. I sit on you. <laughs> <laughs> me not pig. What Teresa started doing was she would wait till Terry was asleep. And then Uh, Terry would wake up. Her mom would be sitting on her and she would be beating her. (sighs) But then the violence came to a sudden halt when Howard moved back in. Because Terry had always been Howard's favorite. And Teresa didn't dare touch her in front of him. Wow. But... Howard had been arrested for beating his own son within an inch of his life. So, Wow, that's not great. Not great. He did learn from uh, yeah. his piece of shit mom. Yes, very. he very much inherited it all from her. Wow. He had a son that had actually been born in February, February 1st, not Valentine's Day, as Teresa had said that Susan had predicted. But the boy had been born with a heart murmur, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. Yikes. I mean, is it though? This family seems like they're riddled with health problems. That's so it's true. like a 50-50 <laughs> shot that one of them would be born with a heart murmur. That's very true. I mean, if Howard's pumping himself full of fucking Doritos and Mountain Dew, the baby's going to have some, and alcohol and all these drugs, mm-hmm. the yeah. baby's going to have some fucking problems. And, you know, I mean, that'd be like if somebody came and said, I have a vision that your family's going to have a thyroid problem. <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah, duh. Before the baby was even two years old, Howard had nearly killed him. Connie, too, had lived in fear of her life this whole time. Just like his mother, Howard would tell Connie that if she ever tried to leave him, he'd kill her. Once he was arrested, he was released on bail and allowed to live with his mother until the trial. But once Howard went to jail, because he went to jail, obviously, Mm -hmm. Teresa resumed beating Terry. Oh, man. By September, Teresa had thought long and hard about what to do with the linen closet. There were still bloodstains on the floor, and she was afraid that the blood had soaked through to the next apartment. The smell of death still permeated the area, too. Ew. So, she made Terry an offer. If Terry burned down the apartment for her, Terry could leave. No strings attached. She would be the only one of her sisters to survive. Wow. So Terry agreed. Wow. I know. 
Then on September 29th, 1986, Terry covered the apartment in lighter fluid, threw a match, and climbed out the window. Her, Teresa, and Robert split to a cheap motel a few miles away. But the fire department arrived too fast. They did their job too well. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? <laughs> the one time. The, the one fire time. department's like, guys, we're firing on all cylinders today. Yeah. I they don't know what had, it is. They had triple espressos. Yeah. They, they had some dark chocolate. They're fucking ready to go. They had some dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the best day for the fire department. I'm just going to say it. Guys, we crushed it. Who fucking roll? <laughs> they all sound like that. They're all just amped. <laughs> so they were able to put the blaze out before it affected much of the apartment, or any of obviously any of the other tenants. Good job, boys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty obvious to them that the apartment or that the fire had been set on purpose. Mm-hmm. Police tracked down Teresa to the motel and questioned her. Because I'm sure the neighbors were like, yeah, they went that away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Chief is just like, there. They're right there. <laughs> they're, right, they're right over there. Yeah. <laughs> they're outside smoking cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Literally just like, just move their faces one. And, oh, there they are. <laughs> yeah. It's the drug addict. It's the group of drug addicts over there. And you just see, you just see Teresa trying to roll her way away. <laughs> Who called us drug addicts? Who did that? Not Teresa. So Teresa tried to blame Howard, who had already been in jail for two days on the domestic abuse charges. Oh, what a dumbass! And she would have known that. It's craziness. After the police left, the three of them moved to another motel down the street. And authorities didn't follow up after this. And so they were just like, she disappeared. <laughs> we really don't know what happened to her. She's oh, on God. the lamb. <laughs> on the lamb, yes. Ridiculous. She's like, I love lamb. <laughs> Did someone say lamb? <laughs> she comes back. Oh, there she is. <laughs> We found her. I'll, I'll have a piece. And by a piece, name, I mean, and by a piece, I mean the whole head. You just have to name different kinds of meat, and she'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. God, what else? Salami is, it, is her favorite. What else is at stake here? Oh, uh, um, mm. steak. Once at the second motel, Teresa blamed Terry and told her she couldn't leave because she didn't keep up her end of the bargain to burn the place down. Teresa or Terry was like, that's fucking bullshit. Why doesn't she just go? I don't know. But now, Teresa, Mm. so this time, Teresa, once again, tried to pummel Terry. (laughs) It's not, it's not, that's not like, that's not like a fat thing. And she's like, that's what I imagine she does. She came at her like Bart, like Lisa and Bart Simpson with her fire, like just. Yeah, just like this, just like a machine. I'm gonna yeah. start hitting you. I feel like that's what she would do. Yeah, okay. I don't take that. Everybody can take that how they will, but yes, I feel like that's what she does. She's like fat, fatty forearms. Go. She has to get a running start. Oh, as a fat person, you always have to get a running start when you're trying to hurt somebody. She's got to announce it too. She's like, "Here I come." 
Yeah. And you got to do that. You got to do that like Olympic shot put level scrunt where you're like, (laughs) (laughs) just to exert any energy. (laughs) Oh my God. So normally when Teresa would beat the children, they had learned to keep quiet and not make a sound because the beating would get worse. Mm -hmm. But this time, Terry screamed and begged and made sure to cause a scene that everyone else in the motel could hear. Ooh, good call, good Mm -hmm. call. Nice. The police arrived again, but it was different police, and so they were unaware that Teresa was being questioned in another case, wrote them off as typical white trash having a fight, Mm. and let them go with a warning. There's like four police officers, and they, <laughs> they don't talk to each the other. other too. And they're Sacramento, really yeah. mad. They're constantly mad at each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't talk to Daryl and Clyde. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're cheating. Assholes. They're cheating at bowling, so they don't talk. They said we're the B team. They're the B team. <laughs> as soon as the police left, Teresa pulled a knife on Terry. Whoa. But the girl, she did not fucking give up this time. Terry grabbed her mama's flabby arm. <laughs> fat ass flabby arm. And spun her around. That fat bitch. Disarming her. Nice. Teresa, stunned, screamed at Robert, who's there the whole time, to hold his sister down. He's Robert. just eating Doritos. <laughs> he is eating Doritos. God damn it, Robert. Robert, put down the bag. Get her. Save me some. Don't eat all the don't eat all the chips. <laughs> God damn it, Robert. But Robert did not put down the bag. Chip noise. <laughs> Casual eating chip noise. Licking finger noise. <laughs> mm. No. Cheesy. He didn't move an inch. So Terry won. She backed out slowly of the room leaving Teresa and Robert in the motel room and didn't look back. Good for you. Get the Good fuck job. out of there. Yeah, seriously. Good job. I wish the story was over. Oh. Oh, no. It gets... It's not... It doesn't get worse. It doesn't get worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, but but it's, not, it's not totally over. Yeah, we're, we're still in pretty bad territory. Teresa's still out. She's still, like, out and about, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Terry, Robert, Bill, and Howard all still carried the painful truth of what had happened to their sisters. And too much had happened now for them to properly mourn them. Robert and Teresa, because Robert still was mom, moved into another apartment together in Sacramento. And Teresa tried to control the only child that she had left. Because Bill had cut off contact with her completely and Terry stayed with anybody she could, except for her, and jumped from couch to couch. She even tried staying with her dad, but that didn't work out because Terry was like, she was a wild child mm-hmm. by then. And she had a lot of drug problems. Mm. And her dad had went and started like his third family. And oh yeah, it just didn't, mm. it didn't work out. And the third family is always usually the most Christian family. It's the one that yeah. sticks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll leave this in, but I wrote she was lewd, crude, and nude. 
and he was milk toast and suspenders. Stupid. I know it's very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my worst. You should put keep that in. That's all about that. That's I mean, I'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't last a week with her dad before she found her way back to the streets, where she, you know, partied. That the bad kind of partying. The the partying that means drugs. Not the good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was, you know, you want to party? Do you party? I party. Yeah. Oh, God. That was such a problem to hear at a party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's or like, hey, we uh, are partying. We're at a party. Or yes. like, hey, are you guys cool? Oh, no. Mm. No, not cool. I learned when people ask you that, that if you say yes, that's actually a bad thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You yeah. say yes, you're actually not cool. You get a yes. lot of nefarious things offered to you, and you're like, oh, no, how do I yeah. leave this situation? Or you go on for you go for a lot of walks. I find oh, people yeah. say, "Are you cool?" And you say, "Yes." They're like, "Come with me," and no. then you're going on a trip, and you're, it's yeah. like, "I didn't want to." I said I was cool, not that I was a jogger. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to walk two miles. Yeah. So one fine day, Terry ran into her mom back in Sacramento at the pigeon putt. Her mom tried to ignore her, Ooh. and even ran with Robert. <laughs> like they saw each other from across the street and terry was like terry you know she's brazen so mm-hmm. she's like hi mom terry's like oh no she's like we gotta get out of here yeah they tried running I'm gonna have to run <laughs> terry chased them <laughs> she's got i just imagine she has a cane yeah she just has to ditch the cane but she's not walking any faster yes yes she's she's not she's not like she's not running she's just walking fast with like minimal purpose yeah she's not running i shouldn't say she ran away yeah and she does the thing where she has robert's already at the car she's got she's got to get that She's got to get that swing going where you swing from side to side. So you're like, (laughs) yeah, she's more like lunging herself forward. Robert, come on. Wait for me. (laughs) I'm still mad about the chips. (laughs) Yeah. Robert somehow has another bag of Doritos. He's just running. (laughs) Are are those cool ranch? Sweet chili. Terry pursued like Terry was like hi and she like they made plans to hang out that night. Wow. Is, yeah, I mean because uh, you know for as much as Terry is traumatized, it's still her mom and yeah. it's definitely, you know, her brother was also another victim of this. So I'm sure that the yearning and yet the hate that she felt at that moment must have been so overwhelming. So they ended up partying that night. Terry, Teresa, Robert, and Terry's current roommates, who were a guy in his 20s and another guy in his 40s. At the restaurant, Teresa was a drunken embarrassment. No shock there. She sexually harassed the waiter and told Terry, get this, they should go sniff out some dick together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. I feel like if my mom said that to me, I would throw up through my vagina. <laughs> so eventually they made it back to Terry's apartment. They all got high. And now high, and now Teresa's high and drunk and she starts talking about the supernatural. And everybody's like, "Ugh, oh god, whatever." No, guys, it's real. The occult is real. 
When I'm not sniffing that dick. <laughs> Pay attention, ghosts. Everyone ended up passing out, but Teresa, angry at Robert for making her go there, apparently, made him leave with her in the middle of the night. But in reality, Terry found out the next day that her older roommate, the one in his 40s, had actually had sex with Teresa on the couch while the rest of them slept. This was the last time Terry would ever see her mom. This was the memory on top of everything else. Her mom is a trash bag. Yeah. Yeah. And so, over another part of town, Howard's, Howard's now estranged wife, Connie, is living with his old bestie, Bud Watson. Bud Watson. Mm-hmm. Right on. Turns out that Bud Jr. Uh, sorry, turns out that Bud Sr. and Teresa, so Bud, Bud's Bud Watson is Bud Jr. and his mm-hmm. dad, Bud Sr. and Teresa were friends. And he convinced her, like they hung out during this time, and, and Bud Sr. convinced Teresa that the big one was coming. They were both conspiracy theorists. And he was like, the big one's coming. And so Teresa was like, we're moving <laughs> because the big one is coming. And she forced Robert to move with her to Reno, Nevada. Wow. Once in Reno, Teresa started refusing to drink tap water, convinced it was making her sick. And even when Robert brought her bottled water, she, she accused him of filling it with the tap. She refused to work due to her possible thyroid condition. Her hip, her, her bad ankle, her hypochondria, her blood pressure, her headache, her backache, etc. Mm. And it was difficult to Robert to support both of them. Yeah, the Doritos budget alone was like $1,000 a month. (laughs) When he told Teresa, after a while, he was like, hey, I'm thinking about getting an apartment with a co-worker. Teresa freaked out. I don't know why he even told her. Yeah. But he's so conditioned by her. So he freaked out, and she went down to where he worked at Harris Casino and told the personnel office, that Robert was working there under a false name, because he was, because he was an ex-felon and a dangerous criminal. Mm. But the person, the personnel office were like, we've seen worse. You want to keep working here? <laughs> Fill it out right. It doesn't matter. And so she yeah, lost yeah. her They're shit. Like, our town was founded on criminals seeking a new life. Yeah. yeah. It's our, it's what more than hell, our dude? bread and butter. It's what runs through our veins. <laughs> <laughs> She waited like two more weeks and then disappeared. She just left Robert a couple of bags of groceries. We know what's in them. Doritos. <laughs> and disappeared. Robert, now completely alone, moves back to Sacramento. But he can't find the rest of his family. He looks for them for a little bit, but then he's like, I guess, whatever, I'm better off. I looked at in bars and ditches. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and park bathrooms and no none of my family's there so i'm out of options I looked in the cupboards you're not there in 1993 robert ended up fatally stabbing a man in a bar fight and was sentenced to 15 years in prison all right bill avoided his family as much as he could and after he had left Teresa's, he suffered through addiction and uncontrollable nightmares about his sister's deaths 
He tried his best, though, and in 1993 was married and working as a Target warehouse foreman. So that's good. He's doing, he's, he was trying his best. As for Terry, seven years after escaping her mother's clutches, she had seen a few husbands come and go and struggled with addiction and depression. And it's not that she hadn't tried to tell people throughout her life what had happened to her sisters or how they were murdered, but no one really believed her. And if they did believe her, they didn't follow up on it. Wow. Terry mm. was arrested at least four times after she left her mom's. And each time, she would try to tell someone what happened to her and her family. But it didn't matter. Hmm. One night, years later, after her husband accused her of lying about her sister's deaths, she promised she'd prove it and was watching America's Most Wanted and decided to call. The, the America's Most Wanted people told her they couldn't help her directly, but pointed her in the right direction. She ended up speaking with a homicide detective assigned to the area where Sheila's body had been found, as well as a detective in a neighboring county where Susan had been found. Hmm. Both of these detectives traveled to Utah, where Terry was now living, and took her statement over the course of two and a half hours before returning home to track down Terry's siblings, and most importantly, Teresa. Bill was given a ride from his job site over to Placer County, about two hours during which he denied knowing what had happened to his sisters, saying he had heard from the others that they had both run away. But once at the station, the police laid out all the evidence they had against him from Terry's statement. He broke down and admitted what happened but he didn't know where his mother was. Howard and Connie corroborated the parts they knew as well. Hmm. Police didn't keep the story under wraps, and the search for Teresa made headlines on November 6, 1993. Aw, yeah. Oh, shit. Very special day. The headlines read, Mother sought in grisly slayings, two daughters burned, comma, starved. Oh. Teresa, Jimmy Knorr, was now 47 and was described as 5'4", 250 pounds, and a convalescent worker. Now, I think that 250 is probably flattering. <laughs> ah, you are so mean. <laughs> hey, man, I lied, on my I lied on my driver's license. Yeah, no, yeah. Because that's, sure. that's where you're getting the info from. Right. Normally, right? Yeah. Is your, your Republic record. Mm -hmm. It's like my... It doesn't say my real weight. I am one sixty-five. I am 90, 92 pounds. Yes. <laughs> I weigh an ounce. <laughs> Teresa had collected a number of IDs and aliases over her years. And nowadays, she started sporting some wigs, too. It was like bad $10 wigs mm -hmm. that she, for some reason, insisted to other people that it was her natural hair. <laughs> <laughs> super awkward oh my god it's super awkward for everybody yeah it's just the fact that like she's it's like she's such a piece of shit because she just won't accept the truth yeah you know like the she just is like if she would just be like it's my it's a wig i need to wear wigs everyone would be like that's fine but the fact that she's like no what are you talking about that's so offensive this is my real hair yeah <laughs> 
So now she was working as a home caregiver. And the families that she worked for knew her as Teresa Cross. They couldn't imagine life without her. She was the best caregiver for a lady paralyzed who was 68 years old. Mm. And they just, they, the family was like, she was wonderful. She was we- a little weird with the wigs. Um, <laughs> but she was wonderful. And she also was like a free babysitter. Because the mom, not the grandmother, but the, the dot. Basically, there's two young girls in the house. And she's like, I love these two girls. Let me take care of them. And she was like a perfect free babysitter for them. And it's it's infuriating. It's really infuriating, especially seeing as... I mean, she, and she she didn't abuse them? No, nothing. She was Just perfect, her own family. A perfect, yeah, she was a perfect caregiver Ugh. to everybody else. It's worse. She worked in Salt Lake City, Utah. Only 30 miles from where Terry had been living for months, but neither of them knew the other was so close. On November 15th, Terry gave an interview on television calling her mother, quote, very sick. And Teresa saw the interview, and she asked her her current employer for a $4,600 advance in order to pay back taxes to the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) Reasonable. And the guy... Was just like, sure. What is going on? <laughs> and, he wa- and he gave her the money. Because he just wanted to make sure she stayed around to continue taking care of his mother. Hmm. She was the best, according to him. Teresa had just gotten the money and was plotting her exit when the police showed up at the front door. They told her who they were looking for. And she didn't bat an eye. But the detective knew who she was look who he was looking at, and he kept at it a little longer until she admitted that she was Teresa Knorr, but had been going by Teresa Cross now. And then she tried. She was like, "Let me go. Let me go call somebody to come watch my patient before we go." And of course, she tried to run out the back door, but luckily, there was a police. Waiting at the back door for Sweet. her. Sweet. I love it when that happens. Yeah. And she got stuck. That's also. <laughs> <laughs> so she was arrested. Hooray! About time. Finally. Robert, Bill, and Teresa were all supposed to be tried together because technically they committed crimes. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, the DA slowly dropped most of the charges against Bill because Bill had been a minor at the time of the crime. And then any other remaining charges were brought against him in juvenile court because they happened when he was a minor. So mm. he didn't get charged with murder. When they were arraigned in court, Teresa was brought in at one point. And Bill basically freaked out so much and he was trembling and he looked so scared because it had been the first time he'd seen his mom in years that the inmate next to him told the guards, like, hey, you have to get this guy out of here right now. He was losing his mind. That's how scared he was of seeing his mother. Wow. What a nice criminal. Yeah. Bill only spoke- I'm really worried about him. Aww. I hope he's okay. Can Aww. we give him some water? Aww. What are you in for? Eating my family. <laughs> Eating my family. But hey, man, that's my new wife. <laughs> <laughs> Bill spoke to his brother, Robert, only one more time, briefly, 
when they were being transported together in the same bus. He has had no contact with him ever since. Robert was given a deal to testify against his mother in exchange for three years of jail time. When Teresa learned that Robert would testify against her, because she was like shocked that they would test, like the children would actually turn against her. She changed her plea from not guilty to guilty in order to avoid the death penalty. Hmm. She was found guilty, thankfully, and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences. Terry died in 2011 at the age of 41. Cause wow, unknown. So young. So young. Only Robert was named in her obituary, and a letter about her mother can be found on her Facebook and her Find a Grave website, where she recounts some of the abuse her mother had put them through. Wow. After his release, Robert was arrested again in 2016 for distribution of child pornography. He is currently Oof. in a federal prison in Kansas. Oh. In 2019, Bill Nor was interviewed for an episode of Discovery's Evil Lives Here. Hey. In it, some of the stories that he told Dennis McDowell, the author of the primary source that we use, have been changed, likely as a way for him to be able to grapple with the pain. He's raising a family now and has his own kids. And he works hard to be a better parent than his mother and make sure his kids always feel they have a safe place to come home to. That's nice. Teresa was eligible for parole in 2018, but has not yet been released. She currently resides at the California Institute for Women in Corona, California. Well, that's not too far from here. Not at all. Let's get her! Yeah, send her some horrible letters. Ugh. And finally, for anybody that's curious, the movie The Afflicted is very loosely based on the story of Ter- Teresa Nora and her children. No shit. Yeah. Who's oh. in that movie? The Afflicted. It's on, it's on Shudder. I believe it's on Shudder a lot. Oh. And we always, we always pass it over. But that's Check it, out everything. Shutter, guys. It's Shutter's a good, great. It's a good app. Four dollars oh, a it's, month. It's fucking awesome. It's not bad. Yeah. It's horror, horror, horror galore. Yeah. And that's it. That is the story of Teresa Nor and her children, the mother from hell. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Maria. That is a, a was a terrifying, sad, interesting story. So I appreciate all your hard research and. Uh, storytelling thank you so much thank you guys for listening we'll be back with plenty of more episodes we're excited to get back to it and we love you we do love you be safe out there yeah bye um wait do you have any doritos (laughs) (laughs) you ate them all (laughs) what (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm stopping it now good night everybody bye bye